Today's episode of Dead Rabbit Radio contains content of a highly disturbing nature. Listener discretion is advised. When a doctor performs an autopsy on a murder victim, he has no idea that this night, his work will follow him home. And then we take a look at the disturbing subculture of people who love to watch monkeys be tortured to death. This originally was just a term on the iceberg. It started off in the YouTube comment section. But now it has turned into an international ring of people paying whatever it costs to watch their sick and depraved fantasies take place live on camera. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Gardner. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. I'm going to be honest, it might not be that great after this episode. The second story is going to be kind of rough, but I think it'll serve a purpose. I'm not just doing it to be salacious or to just have another iceberg topic. Uh, there's been a lot of new information coming out about the monkey torture ring. Which again, you're like, Jason, okay, there's more information. Do I need to hear it? Maybe not. This episode might not be for everybody, but someone who runs into it's like, it's like, oh man, why do I gotta be on this episode? Running into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Kick and Decock. Woohoo, yeah, wee! <laughs> Woohoo! Come on in. He's sheepishly walking on in. I actually think it's Keck. Keck and Decock. Keck. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, if you don't want to be, you don't want to gamble, find out what episode you might end up on, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Keck and Decock was actually one of the people who was posting their Spotify wrapped. So that really helps get the word out because it shows what a loyal listener you are to the show and it shows to your friends and family, people in your social network that you like the show because it shows how many hours a year you've watched to it. Keck, let's go ahead and get this party started. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. Start that bad boy up. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Drive us all the way out to India. Like I said, the second story is pretty rough. Gotta be honest with you, <laughs> the first story is no walk in the park either. Is, both of these stories are pretty brutal. Keck is driving us up to India. We don't have an exact location for this story. We were told it takes place in a rural area in India. We're about to meet this young doctor. Let's go ahead and call her Jessie. Jesse is working at a primary healthcare center, which I'm assuming is like just another term for a hospital. Jesse's working there, and she's working with this other doctor who we will call Keith. And you know, doctors sitting around talking about doctor stuff, just kind of hanging out, chatting. Everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a story. And Jesse realizes that Keith probably has one because he's recently transferred to her part of this health center. So, hey, Keith, so yeah, you, you like it over here? You like working here? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. It's a lot better than where I used to be. I used to handle the autopsies. I used to do autopsies in this place. 
sure, there's a lot of places better in a hospital than the autopsy place, but he goes, yeah, I used to do autopsies. He used to be a coroner. And Jesse goes, well, what? why'd you stop? You know, <laughs> I can't other than the fact cutting up open dead people all day long. Why'd you leave? And he goes, yeah, it got, it got to be way too much for me. I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And Jesse goes, so yeah, was it like cutting open raw bodies? People who've been like laying in the sewer all day or cats. Someone dies in their house. The cats eat their eyeballs. God, oh, well, yeah, I mean, that stuff wasn't great either. But it was a little bit more than that. I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. Couldn't deal with it. it wasn't just the autopsies. It was the ghosts. Yeah, I, I realized something, he says. Because you do a lot of autopsies. Generally, there's no ghosts. A lot of times people come in, trying to figure out how they died, do the autopsy, make a determination, move to the next one. But sometimes their ghost would come back. Sometimes their soul would be left here on Earth. And he goes, I kind of figured it out. Because, you know, obviously he's determining the cause of death for these people. He goes, generally there are two types of deaths where it's more common to see a ghost after they've died. Keith goes, there's not a ghost with everybody. I've worked on bodies and never saw a ghost. But there's two types of deaths in particular that I do see ghosts with. One suicides people kill themselves the chances of me seeing a ghost after that is much higher than someone accidental even someone just being murdered more likely to see a ghost if it's a suicide the second type of death that i'll see a ghost with is um murdered but not just murdered um People who were murdered in a special circumstance, you might say. People who um, weren't murdered over money or rage. Jesse goes, like, what, what do you mean? Keith goes, generally, as dark as this sounds, when somebody is raped... Before they're murdered, I'm more likely that I'll see their ghost. And this is something that Keith says that he's seen. He's seen ghosts connected to these two types of deaths. One, suicide. Two, murder involving some sort of sexual assault. But that's not why he quit. It's not just that he saw ghosts. It's that one of them wouldn't leave him alone. Keith said one night he got the body of this woman. Came in. He's doing the autopsy like he always does. He goes, this woman, she was young, mid-twenties. She was raped and then strangled. And when her in-laws found out about what had happened to her, instead of reporting it to the authorities, instead of any of that, they decided to help cover up the murder. And they dumped her body in the well. Jesse, Jesse's the one who posted this underneath the name B. Anani. 
Jesse goes, this is pretty common, unfortunately, for rural parts of India. We see this type of thing happen. To cover up the great crime of being raped, of being a rape victim. He said that the young woman's in-laws, the ones who dumped the body in the well in the first place, they came to him to try to bribe him to cover up that they had tried disposing of the body, but he had refused. He wasn't going to take the bribe. After the autopsy, though, he began to sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and he would see this young murder victim sitting at his bedside. And she appeared to him the same way he saw her on the table. Wet hair, bulging eyes, completely naked, pale skin. She'd been sitting in the water for a while before she was brought into his office, and that's what it looked like. It looked like this corpse that had been soaking in a deep, dark well. He goes, I'd wake up, and she'd be sitting at my bedside. It's obviously absolutely terrifying. And this is one of those ghosts that we talked about on yesterday's episode, how sometimes we have to guess where a particular ghost comes from, what their origin story, why they're haunting this particular location. Keith knows the answers to all of these questions. He knows that this is the ghost of a rape victim who was not only murdered after that horrific act, but then her own in-laws tried to cover it up and threw her body into the well. So he knows 100% who this ghost is, which would just make it not just terrifying but sad as i'd wake up she'd be sitting next to my bedside he said it wasn't sleep paralysis i know it wasn't sleep paralysis i know it was really her but really the reason why he's like i mean that that's enough I think for most people, what really ended it for Keith, because he ended up to transfer out of the morgue, to transfer away from being a coroner, he would take a pay cut to go to this other part of this health center. You know, not ideal, but one day he was in his bathroom at home, he was brushing his hair, and, you know, the bathroom door's not completely shut. Usually when you're just doing mundane stuff in the bathroom it's open a bit you don't need total privacy when you're combing your hair none of us do keith is sitting there combing his hair his door slightly open he's looking in the mirror as he's combing it and then he sees in the reflection of the mirror the door the bathroom door which is slightly open and standing outside of the bathroom door is the woman with wet hair and bulging eyes, and she's staring at him. She's staring at him through the slightly open door. He's like, that's it. He's like, I'm okay. That's Here's the thing. He knew it wasn't sleep paralysis before, but in the back of your mind, you could think, maybe it's just I'm exhausted or something. But he's like, no. 
Definitely not asleep now. I'm waking up. I'm not exhausted. There's something outside my bathroom door watching me. That was it. He said, I was done. I was done. I went in and I transferred out of the morgue. And now I'm working here with you. He goes, I'll never go back. I will never go back to work in the morgue ever again. It's a super interesting story. I mean, there's some details that would be interesting to know, like, who killed her? Was it also a member of the family? They make mention that the family came to Keith. Keith Keith said the in-laws came to me and tried to bribe me to help cover up the fact that they had dumped the body, but he's like, I wasn't going to do that. But he doesn't actually pin them for the murder. He goes, based on my autopsy, I could tell that she was dead when they dumped her in the well. But who killed her in the first place? We don't know. And that's really not something that a coroner may know. They're not there to determine who did it, just what had happened. It'd be an interesting bit of the story. But I mean, again, this is one of those stories, you know, when we talk a lot about ghosts, On Dead Rabbit Radio, we talk a lot about more recent ghosts, which I think is a strength of the show. We talk a lot about these encounters that are happening now or in the past couple years. When you're talking about a ghost that's on like the Queen Mary or a ghost that's haunting some World War II memorial or a Civil War haunted house, there's so much distance between you and the story that the scary part is it's a ghost. On Dead Rabbit Radio, because we're a daily show and because we're looking for stuff no one else is talking about, we find this type of stuff, which is horrific. Because there's two parts of the scary story. One, there's a ghost. And two, within our lifetime, really within probably the past couple years, this woman was raped and murdered. And then her body was dumped in a well by her own in-laws trying to cover up the quote-unquote dishonor that she brought upon them. So it does add another layer of um, horror to the whole thing. We cover a lot of recent hauntings within like the past five or ten years. It's just crazy. You know what I mean? Like it just had, and I don't do that to be extra creepy. I'm not, I'm like, oh, dude, a recent murder. I can't wait to talk about that. There's a, there's another layer of heartbreak to this as opposed to talking about two lovers who jumped off a cliff a hundred years ago and now they're ghost haunt the the wilderness out there. I mean, it's still a scary story, especially if you're out there. But it does add a different layer to all of these stories. It's just an interesting story. It's a heartbreaking story. He took a pay cut like that. That's, I mean, like that's how scared he was. He's like, I'm not going to do this again. And what's interesting is, is she still there? Was this a phantom who was just there for a short time and left? I've talked before about how my dad was a mortician for a while. And I did, I worked with him for a couple summers down to the crematory, maybe one or two. And one of the things that he told us, he said, part of our job is we're going to be the last people on this earth. Literally the last people on this earth to see their physical form. He goes, you got to be respectful. You got to be gentle. Because we're the last humans who will ever see that body. And I think that's a great way to approach it. And I think that 
that could be why I don't think the spirit was trying to haunt Keith. It wasn't trying to hurt him, but it, it, she may have felt that same bond with him. He was treating her not like she was a dishonor on her in-laws, but as a young woman who had been murdered, brutally murdered. And he was going to do what he could to show that. Show that she'd been raped and murdered. So I almost think it was more of a haunting because she had nowhere else to go. And so I'd like to think in the end, the haunting ended because she found her way into the afterlife. But here's the thing, like, even a beautiful haunting can be super scary, right? Even if it was a ghost of a woman just not knowing how to say thanks. She doesn't know how to be dead. She's confused. Everything was so chaotic in those final moments. I don't. I think if she could have picked a form that was more fitting, that was more friendly, she would have. But I think there is a confusion that can come upon a death. And I don't think she meant to scare him. But again, I mean, it would be hard for him to go back to that position. Because even if he did think that, he goes, well, maybe she wasn't trying to scare me. Maybe she was just trying to understand what had happened to her and, and trying to, in her own way, let me know that she was... I mean, listen, here's the thing. It's so scary. It's such a scary image. I picture the person who we see in the media of like the big, bulky, bully, loner guy in high school that everyone's afraid of. And then one day you're sitting next to him in the cafeteria because of some short straw you had to sit at that table. And you guys start talking about your favorite television show. And you guys are both huge fans of this show. And you realize like, oh, this guy like looks super scary, but he's actually pretty cool. And no one ever gave him a chance before. It could be that type of situation. So I like to hope that, right? Right. I am an optimist in the end. But um scary story. An interesting one. Is this a uh thing? Like do more corners, see ghosts more commonly out of these two types of deaths. Who knows? That's the big thing with paranormal. A lot of even the basic questions we don't know the answer to. Keck and Decock, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind India. Fly us all the way out to Indonesia. First off, I got to give a couple shout outs. I want to give a shout out to a couple people who recommended this story to me. First off, we have DN. DN sent me an email on Instagram. We have Yevgeny Levich. I apologize if I mispronounced that. And then Toby, who also reached out to me via my GoDaddy customer comment section. I just figured out I had one of those. I've been going through some emails on that as well. A long time. Thank you for the thank you for the recommendations, guys. And and you guys gave me some extra info on this as well. Back on episode 52 of Dead Rabbit Radio. Jeez, can you believe that? Episode 52 of Dead Rabbit Radio. We covered the phenomenon known as monkey torture or monkey hate or YouTube monkey torture. I believe it was back then a topic on the conspiracy theory iceberg. Is five years ago we did this story. And it basically talked about this absolutely terrifying phenomenon of sickos on YouTube. They would comment on videos. So you had like a video of like little dancing monkeys 
fun, right? Kids like monkeys, adults like monkeys, everyone likes monkeys. They're pretty funny looking. The big ones are strong, like a gorilla, dude. I love me a big old silverback gorilla. But let's say you have a video of a couple dancing monkeys, and, and just in the background, one of the, vi one of the monkeys slips off a rock and falls down. The comments in the video will be like, those monkeys sure are fun, or I love monkeys, I wish I had a pet monkey. But every so often you'd see a comment saying, I wish that monkey who fell on that rock fell face first. And the more monkey videos you would watch, the YouTube algorithm would keep sending you more monkey videos. And then you'd start to see more and more comments where a monkey would do something and, you know, probably like pick up a screwdriver or something like that, pretending to be human. And someone would comment, I hope it gouges out its own eyeballs. You keep watching these monkey videos, and the more that you're watching the algorithm, the more YouTube is feeding you more monkey videos. And what you start to see is the videos start to become more and more abused. And some of it could just be like accidental. Some of it could be a nature video where you see a monkey get yanked away by a stronger ape. You know, talking about like the apes and the chimps running around, whatever. I don't even know if they live in the same neighborhood, but you know what I mean? Like sometimes it'd be a nature video and you'd see a monkey get hurt and the comments would not be, wow, isn't nature brutal? No, they'd be like, I wish he got his arms ripped off. I'd pay to see that. And that's what we talked about when we covered monkey hate, monkey torture, these communities. We covered it five years ago. I remember when I covered it. That episode is the same episode as Golf Rumors. We were 52 episodes in. I didn't really like covering it at the time, but I thought it was important to talk about, to expose these types of groups. That's five years ago. What happened this summer, this was dope. This was dope, because that rabbit radio, I mean, we're cool, me and you, we love this thing, but we're like a, a drop in the in the media tsunami bbc british broadcasting corporation did a massive investigation into the monkey hate monkey torture groups yes they're still around and this is a story about how a bunch of people going undercover people who discovered this monkey hate monkey torture nonsense they went undercover into these groups. Let's take a look. This is great. BBC did this investigation, so we're going to give a shout-out to BBC Eye Investigations as well as the journalists Joel Gunter, Rebecca Henschke, and Astutstra Agent Grastri. BBC did a year-long investigation into the baby monkey hate. So you're like, wow, baby? Whoa, whoa. Yeah. This one gets rough. I'm not going to go into great detail, but I'm also not going to say they unalived the monkeys or anything like that. So what happened was you would have these people kind of discovering this stuff. You watch a video, monkeys. YouTube sends you, hey, listen, you like that monkey video? Here's a monkey in the dress. Oh, I like these videos too. Oh, you like that? How about some monkeys getting abused? And people were getting shocked by this. They're like, what? why am I getting these videos? And why? Like, who would watch this? And you scroll through the comments and you see this 
horrific stuff. And that YouTube algorithm actually spurred on quite a few people to start investigating these groups. Because you see comments like this. You see comments like this in these videos. Quote, I want to see one. We're talking about baby monkeys here. A quote, I want to see one put into boiling water. And someone responded to that, quote, or boiling vegetable oil. Someone, when they were watching this baby monkey get hurt on YouTube. On YouTube, by the way. These comments are open. I mean, they're anonymous accounts, but they're posting this for everyone to see. Someone said, they were watching this video of this monkey getting hurt. Someone said, quote, I'm literally feeding off of its fear right now. Sick people. Right, these sick people. That's why I don't want to sanitize it, because then I go, they leave hurtful comments. What does that mean? They wish they were dipped in boiling vegetable oil. That's what that means. It's the type of sickos we're going to be talking about. That's on YouTube. You see stuff like that, you want to shut it down. You want to go after it. That's what they're saying on YouTube. Of course, these sickos, these perverts, start setting up Telegram accounts. And once they got to Telegram, it no longer became someone uploading a video of a monkey getting accidentally hurt or getting hurt in a way that YouTube wouldn't immediately delete the video. Once these groups moved to Telegram, these monkey hate, these monkey torture, sometimes the group is known as Million Pity. But when they're on Telegram, now they're actually able to get pay-to-order torture and murder videos of monkeys. So off of YouTube, it's gotten a hundred times worse. People have said, how much for a decapitation? How much do I have to pay you? I want to see that monkey get drowned. And these videos were being produced, many of them were being produced in Indonesia and purchased by Westerners. And you set up this little ecosystem where people are then saying what they want to happen to a baby monkey. The video is produced, then sent to the person who ordered it. And then it would be up to the person who purchased it if they'd want to keep it for their private collection or share it with the rest of the Telegram group. The monkey torture group even had their own celebrity. They had a baby monkey named Minnie, who appeared in so many of these monkey torture videos. And yet, she continued to survive. It got to the point that People love to see the, uh, you, obviously this little monkey is suffering from PTSD. It's traumatized. And people loved that. They loved watching just the look on her face. It got to the point where people started offering big money to have many killed. But Minnie's owner actually saw her as such a cash cow. Because everyone loved her videos of her getting tortured. Beaten up mostly, slammed against walls, things like that. That the uh, that Minnie's owner turned down all offers to kill her. Because she was worth too much to just keep around to torture. Now I will jump to the ending and tell you Minnie is alive. 
<laughs> the BBC article made you read quite a long way to get to the ending where Minnie is playing with her buddies out in this nature preserve. And I'll let you guys know right now, Minnie lives. Okay, Minnie does survive. She's no longer being tormented by these freaks. But a lot of her fellow captives don't. They die pretty quickly in this disgusting, foul subculture. All these different people. And the BBC article goes into great length about all of the people working behind the scenes. It's a really, really great article. I'm kind of doing a a uh, flyby on this whole thing, but uh, I recommend reading it. People start infiltrating these telegram groups with the intent of taking it down. And what they find out really quickly is there are people already in the groups who want to take down this monkey torture ring, this made-to-order monkey torture video ring on telegram. There's already people inside who want to take it down, but they also order the videos. They also are already paying members of these groups. You have a guy named Ronald McDonald, which is not his real name. That might be the only few good laughs I get out of this segment. Ronald McDonald, a.k.a. the Torture King, a.k.a. uh, Mike McCartney is his real name. Mike McCartney is 48 years old. He was a member of the Monkey Torture Rings. He promoted them. But when he met people that were trying to expose it, but he does say that he also wants to end it. He does want to shut it down. So he's going to help. He's going to help take it down from the inside. But he's also, he was a part of this whole thing. And when he's talking to one of these undercover, I don't remember how he finds out that they're trying to expose it. But when he's talking to these people, McCartney says that, listen, I'm not a bad guy. I am a member. I am a member of a group called Ape's Cage that is run by a guy named Mr. Ape. He goes, but you know, like, don't think of me as a bad guy. Sure, I pay money to watch monkeys get tortured and I watch these videos with other people and we laugh, but don't think of me as a bad guy. He says, quote, I'm not a bad guy. That's how you always know that someone's not a bad guy. He goes, quote, I'm not a bad guy. I'm 48, married to my high school sweetheart. I have a 19-year-old daughter. One cat and my German shepherd passed away, sadly, of cancer. I really don't care about any of that stuff. Definitely, like, I'm sorry your dog died, but you pay for watching apes get to work, bro. You're, You're part of this disgusting group. Of course, I'm not going to feel bad for you. I'm not going to feel bad for you. He said that he actually wasn't into um, monkey hate until the pandemic. He started watching videos during the... Like we all did, right? (laughs) Once they shut us down too weak to slow the curve or whatever it was, we all tuned into this nonsense. He said that, uh, talking about his experiences in these monkey torture hate groups, he said they had a poll set up. They had a poll set up. They were going to take a vote. He goes, they had a poll set up. Quote, do you want a hammer involved? Do you want pliers involved? Do you want a screwdriver? 
McCartney voted for what his choice was and came back later and, quote, sure as heck, there's a new video with everything that was voted on. And it was the most grotesque thing I've ever seen. Mike McCartney, what he started doing was downloading these monkey torture videos, collecting them. There's a lot of corollaries between this and child porn, right? The way that child porn is handled. You have this underground group. It's all about trading. He started um, downloading videos, collecting them, and then he goes, you know, I'm going to start selling them. Like, there's a demand for some of these more grotesque videos. I'm going to get in on this. That's why I don't care about your cat. He's selling these videos. He's being just as disgusting. Now, Mr. Ape ran the group Ape's Cage. It was one of the premier groups at the time. He reached out to these groups in Indonesia. Ape, Mr. Ape goes, you know what? Like right now we're getting these videos. People are ordering these videos here and there. And then if they want to share them, they'll put them in the system. I'm going to go straight to the source. I'm going to go straight to the source and just commission these videos. We're going to contact these people in Indonesia. We're going to start making the most grotesque videos possible. He ends up working with this woman named Sadistic. Her real name Stacy Story. She's actually denied a lot of this. She goes, oh, I got hacked. I got hacked. But Stacy Story is a 46-year-old grandmother, gas station employee in Alabama. Working with Sadistic, Mr. Ape and Sadistic, they come up with a video that shocked everybody. So it became an instant hit. It was called Baby Monkey in a Blender. I mean, I almost feel I almost feel like I should just jump to the end at this point. Like I could go through more details about there is a really cool investigative part of this. So I, I will so after Baby Monkey in a Blender is a huge hit, they have to top it. They have to top it, right? So they order a new one called and it involves a baby monkey and a red power drill. And that video is what ended up causing this whole house of cards to come apart. Because finally, so many people were working behind the scenes on this thing, trying to expose these groups. They knew where the videos were coming from relatively, because they go, well, we think it's coming from Indonesia. But that's a pretty big country, right? You had the anti-monkey hate group. You had all these undercover investigators. You had BBC coming in. In Trinidad, there was a guy named Dave Guptar. Dave Guptar had been undercovering these groups for a while. He just kind of stumbled across it. He's, he's living in Trinidad, and he's watching these videos. He's re-watching these videos. He's watching them over and over and over again. And he sees in this particular... Because the people who film in the videos never show their face. Very, very good OPSEC from that point of view. But everyone gets tripped up eventually. Dave Guptar's watching these videos, re-watching them, re-watching them. He sees... He starts to put together these clues. One, on one of the guys, one of the arms of one of the torturers, there's a distinct bracelet. It's like four wooden bracelets. He also says in one of the videos, he overhears people speaking Sudanese. And then he gets a quick glimpse of a license plate. So based on how the license plate is, based on the language being spoke, 
talking to these other investigators, they figure out it may be from the West Java region. So with that information, the local authorities are alerted. And here's the thing. The local authorities did not go out there to investigate this because this guy was torturing monkeys. No. The guy who was shooting these videos was also selling monkeys. That was a far more serious crime, selling a protected species. Which in this case was the long-tailed uh, Mackay. However you pronounce that little monkey man. That was a more serious crime than the monkey torture. So the local authorities go out there. And they do. They arrest this guy named Asep Yadi Nerol Hickman. When they go to his house, they find that bracelet. And a red power drill. And the same blender that was used in Baby Monkey in a Blender. So there they had the evidence that this was the guy. And you could say, you know, it's circumstantial. It's the same model blender, same model of power drill. But you start to see these people in Indonesia get picked off. BBC's on top of it. You have all these anti-monkey hate groups working with them. Eventually, you had that guy shut down. You had a bunch of these people get arrested. There's 20 more people that are being investigated. People in the United States, people in other countries. In America, what was tripping some of these people up, what they were getting arrested for, is possessing monkey torture videos is not illegal, but distributing them is. So some of these guys like Mr. Ape, some of these guys like Ronald McDonald, Mike, that guy, he's getting picked up. But a lot of these cases are kind of dragging their feet. I don't think anyone served any jail time just yet. Because all of this stuff kind of came out in July of this year. What's really interesting is that BBC names everyone, but they don't name who Mr. Ape is. They leave out Mr. Ape's name. They said, quote, we decided not to name Mr. Ape in this story because of specific concerns over his safety, which is super weird. Because they blasted those other two people, Stacy and uh, Mike. They did describe him as a college grad in his mid-20s. Quote, basketball player tall, unquote. With a beard, wears baggy clothes and glasses. I'll be honest. One of these people who got picked up for this was in Oregon. And when I was reading this article, I go, oh, please don't let it be Hans. Please don't let it be Hans Wormhat. Like, seriously, if <laughs> this is your first episode, you're like, who's that? He's a guy. We talked about a ton on this show. He's He's goofy. And he says some pretty hateful things from time to time. And he also believes monkeys aren't real. And I was like, oh my god, please Hans, don't be a part of this. Do not be a part of this. And then when I read that Mr. Ape was described as, quote, basketball player tall, and Hans believes that overweight men are actually women... And if you're a real man, you'll be tall with long arms. I was like, oh my god, Hans. But I will say this. Since all of this has happened, Hans has continued putting out videos. I remember thinking, oh my god, I, I hope it's not Hans. And I don't think it is. Um, right now, I'm 99.999% sure it's not Hans related. But I remember thinking, dude, oh man, I was so scared for a minute. 
But yeah, a lot of these people got picked up, shut down. Mr. Rape has not been revealed, and a lot of people in the anti-monkey hate groups have been trying to figure out who and why they didn't reveal. Why they didn't reveal and who he is. They still don't know. But this is one of those things, like, a lot of, like, BBC got involved in this, but a lot of on-the-ground work was done by people like you. People who became aware of the problem and began to investigate it. It's a heavy load, though, right? Like, I mean, that's another thing. I don't want to watch monkey torture stuff. When I was being sent these links by people earlier that I mentioned, um, they're like, well, you you can go to this, you can go to this page. I don't necessarily recommend it. I guess Kiwi Farms was actually a big part of this as well. Kiwi Farms, I don't know if they're still around. I know that's kind of debatable whether or not they've been wiped off the service web, whether they're on a, a tour site. I hear different things, but Kiwi Farms also was a big part of taking down this monkey torture, this monkey torture ring. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to look at, I don't want to look at this stuff. I, and here's the, to be honest, I don't want you to look at it either. I don't want you to have to look at it either. I'm not making you do this. You're like, oh man, ah, you're all logging in. Oh man. I'm not making you do it. But I mean, if you feel like you have a calling for this now, like maybe you go, hey, you know what? I think I do have the stomach for this and I hate these bastards. So let's go. Like I'll put some links to some people, some groups. What's interesting though, too, is that this is organized. There's money behind this. And so on Reddit, there is an anti-monkey hate group. And people have already said the monkey hate community, the people we're fighting against, have slowly begun to infiltrate us. Because it's super easy to go undercover online. Right? It's not like trying to go undercover in real life. So there's a pushback. Like you have the monkey hate, monkey torture fanatics, and then you have the real humans who are trying to stop it. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's not. I'm not going to be be disappointed if you don't. I'm not going to like call you up and be like, hey man, thought you were going to go investigate those groups. If you have a calling for it, if you think you can bring something to the fight, then I think this episode was worthwhile. Again, I wasn't trying to be salacious. I also wanted to touch on it that we talked about it five years ago. It's way bigger than it was then. I haven't listened to that episode in years, but I don't remember us talking about like Telegram. I don't remember us talking, and maybe we did, but BBC, I mean, obviously for it to get big enough that a world-recognized media organization ran a year-long investigation into it, we were talking about it. I'm not not flexing on them. I'm not saying, oh, we got it first. I'm saying like we covered it because people didn't know about it. It was on these obscure lists of weird conspiracies, I'm glad more people are covering it. And I hope more people join that fight. I just know I'm not that guy. Like, you got to know your strengths and weaknesses. I can't. I go to a lot of websites, honestly, with my images shut off. Because I don't want to see gross stuff. I am, call, me a, call me a baby. I'm watching YouTube with no images. I'm watching some guy play video games. I'm like, oh, I bet that's a cool video game. I've got a lot of websites. I don't want to see none of that stuff. I've seen it a lot. I've seen a lot of people with their heads bashed open and all sorts of dumb stuff. I don't want to see it. I'm just scrolling anywhere. But anyway, so like, I don't want to watch 
<laughs> I'm not saying that you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's good to just be aware of it. I'm, I know that this episode was more graphic than other ones. But again, if I just said, oh, and they abused the monkeys. Like sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta do it. Sometimes you gotta say what they're doing to make you realize how evil this group is and that they need to be stopped. And the problem is, is sure you can arrest a couple people. And that's great. Arresting a couple people, shutting down one or two producers, saving many. Those are all great things. What is terrible is that then it just moves on to the next group of people, someone else. Because Mr. Ape was talking about wanting to build an empire. He wanted to build an empire based on monkey torture. Like, that's sick. That's sick. Sometimes, you know, we forget that. Because we do get a sanitized view of things. But I hope I was supposed to say I hope you enjoyed this episode. I didn't even enjoy it. I didn't even enjoy it. I really enjoyed reading the article. I recommend you guys reading that article and I'll put a bunch of stuff in the show notes. I'll kind of find some resources and take back Reddit. I hate Reddit, but I mean if there's at least one place that should be usable on Reddit, it's the anti-monkey hate group. Fight the good fight there. Um if you have the stomach for it and you have the drive and you feel the calling, then I would definitely look into joining some of these undercover or joining some of these anti-monkey hate groups. I think they could always use more people. I would say that that it, it, if you get to save one monkey, like many, then it's all worth it. Like Even though that may make us uncomfortable, even though we might have to have bad visions, bad images in our head... I mean, that's nothing compared to what the, the monkeys are going through. But again, just <laughs> shut off your images, shut off your videos. So a lot of these groups have to go undercover because they can't have this polluted in their head. But I'm not forcing you to do it either. Don't feel disappointed like you're disappointing me if you don't go join an anti-monkey torture group. But maybe you do have a calling for it. Maybe you didn't even know it. And now you're like, whoa, these people exist. I want to do something to stop it. And I think that is definitely a, a noble cause. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. Most of you probably didn't, but that's okay. You don't have to listen to it every day, but if you did listen to it today, that's great. I love it. 